But the reason that that is so important is because you're not going to get those answers until you're able to do that. And to be able to do that, you're going to have to sit in the discomfort for a minute. Why are we so obsessed with productivity? A few years ago, it was a badge of honor to ride the grind culture. Get up at 4 a.m., have your protein shake, down your coffee, run five miles before the sun comes up. You are a badass. Check your to-do list. That bitch is about to be murdered today. Your calendar looks like your kid colored it with every paint or crayon in the book because there is no white space at all. You got this, bro. You got this, bro. Start work at 7 a.m. You get more done in the first three hours of your day and the world hasn't even begun to start waking up yet. Those other folks, they are lazy. Hustle, grind, get it done. If you want to be the best, you have to do things that other people aren't willing to do. Have you heard that? Oh, it's intoxicating. You do have the chance to be great, greater than your parents, greater than your peers. Greatness is only achieved when you work for it, right? But you have to get up and do the work. You have to do more than everybody else. And if you aren't willing to go as hard as you can go, are you lazy? Are you unmotivated? Does that mean you're not ambitious? Maybe kind of a loser. That hamster wheel doesn't really have an endpoint, does it? But what if the opposite is true? What if living a life of ease and following your own rhythms is the key to your riches, whether it is financial or well-being? Now, this is a question that I've been asking myself. This is a human experiment that I'm working through right now in real time. Today, we are talking about the laziness lie with six-time guest on Culture Changers podcast. My girl, Cindy Robinson, is back. Cindy is a parent coach and an advocate for reshaping our mental health. If you want to know more, please subscribe to my work at allisonhair.com or hit me up on the socials. Now, let's get to it. Here is Cindy Robinson. Well, you always have such interesting topics where people are like, oh my God, Cindy did it again. So I'm so glad that you're here. And today we're talking about the laziness lie. And the laziness lie is an, uh, an essay that was published by Devin Price that was kind of debunking the myth that we are all in this achievement productivity culture. And me personally, that I've just quit my job, and uh, am very productivity-minded. And the things that are going on through my head over, you know, that I'm a piece of shit because I'm not doing more or doing something more productive. And that uh, that is awful and so destructive where I'm noticing it and trying to correct it. But I would love to understand your perspective on laziness and why, why why do we feel like we have to produce something 
or earn something to be worthy. Yeah, I mean, why is because it's pretty much supported everywhere we go, right? Our culture validates that belief that productivity equals worth. So unfortunately, our self-worth is tangled up in our productivity, what we produce, what we provide for others. Um, So because that's true, um, because our culture validates that lie, we all believe that in order to be worthy of love, of rest, of all these things, that we have to be productive. So you're just basically ascribing to the culture that you were born into. Um, But like you mentioned, Devin Price, um, Dr. Devin Price is a phenomenal author, and he wrote the book, Laziness Does Not Exist. If you like this podcast and the message, go buy that book. Um, It'll validate everything that that I'm saying. It was a big eye-opener for me and a big turning point for me. But yeah, um, it turns out that's just not true. Um, self-worth actually comes intrinsically um, and it's something we're entitled to at birth (laughs) that we're entitled to self-worth we're entitled to love and we're entitled to rest we're entitled to these things just by breathing and existing and we don't actually have to earn them why isn't that enough because I didn't get that message (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah no none of us really are, are sent that message at birth which is the time that we probably should be told that Um, Yeah, it's just because it's a big, uh, and it goes way back in our culture, um, way back in American culture, but it's kind of saturated a lot of other cultures around the world as well. Uh, But it's just not true. And if you live in a way that um, it it prioritizes your worth and you live in a, if it's, if you're having a goal of having a life of ease, like we talked about earlier, um, nothing happens. It turns out nothing falls apart. (laughs) <laughs> we, we kind of think we have to earn the, our place in this world. Um, but when you kind of stop and you step out of that culture and you live with the goal of having a life of ease and listening to what your body tells you to do at the time it tells you to do it, um, the world does not fall apart. But I think society a few years ago really glamorized hustle culture, the grind culture of showing up late to uh, early to work, late to work, making sure that you're always on, you know, that you answer emails from your boss at nine o'clock at night, because you want to show your commitment, you want to show that you're worthy. And so I think the pandemic kind of expedited a correction on that, where there are a lot of people that are saying, no, this can be easy, you know, and, and kind of going with your own rhythm. But I also think that there is you know, like I, I have my own challenges with if I stop like a shark, I'm going to sit on this couch and I'm never getting up and I'm going to keep eating the Doritos and um, I'm, I, there, there is a big intrinsic fear and maybe that's personal to me, but I wonder how do we start unwinding that? Yeah, well, I mean, so what you're more so describing is, is if you stop, you'll fall into a depression or yeah, you'll fall exactly. into some sort of mental illness hole that you won't be able to get yourself out of because you do know what that feels like. And certainly when you first stop, that that wave hits you anytime you stop. For a lot of people, that's why bedtime is terrifying. Like they lay down at night huh. and all the thoughts come in, right? So from your experience, every time you do slow down or stop, a lot of thoughts catch up to you, a lot of, you know, weighing, looming feelings catch up to you, and it's terrifying. But the misconception is, is that that's what happens when we rest. 
That's what happens when you stop, which is not the same thing as that's what happens when we prioritize our bodies and we're compassionate towards ourselves and we allow ourselves to rest, have a life of ease, follow our natural rhythms in life. Um, No, that's just what happens when you stop because you've been running a rat race that wasn't built for you. You know, you're either living a life that you were told would bring happiness, but it doesn't for you. Um, And that would be, you know, like living in an inauthentic life to you. Or um, your worth is attached to something external when it should be intrinsic. It should just be there. But you've you've attached it to other things. And that's why it never fulfills it. Like no matter how much you achieve. Yeah, that's true. But I wonder if we deconstruct this for a minute, because I think you know, like if we if we take the concept of a scarcity mentality versus an abundant mentality, and I don't say that spiritually of just, you know, the quantum physics of of living abundantly, while I kind of subscribe to it, I think from the the reality of, you know, that concept that I think is being dismantled now is that especially for women, there's only one position or there are only a few positions. And there is a reality that I think is less than 5% of all executives in, you know, are female and heads of companies in the US. So there is a lot of work to go. And I think there is a lot of acculturation that says there are only a few spots. Um, And I think that scarcity versus abundant, how do we start to kind of figure out what that looks like for us, where we feel like, if I don't do this, everything falls apart? Yeah, well, I mean, first, I always have to put a clause that, of course, some people are living with restricted means or, you know, just below the poverty line, whatever the reason might be. That, of course, choices are going to be limited and we can't look at them and be like, oh, you're just stop being, stop thinking you're lazy, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there are people that are trapped in the system that they're in and they may not have the ability to get themselves out. But for a lot of people, they think that and it's not true. Um, And when you said that about the spots being limited at the table in a scarcity mindset, what I'm trying to do is shift the perspective that you even want a seat at that table, Hmm. you know, because Hmm. that table was built and that room was created and that position was created to head towards this achievement obsessed culture Um, and this product. And that most likely that seat at that table is just more proving your worth through being productive. You're just still in the machine. You're still Mm -hmm. in the wheel. So um, it's a call to ask people, do you want to even be at that table? If you want to be there, okay. But if we eliminate the number of people who actually don't want to be at that table, and that's not what's meant for them. They're just trying to prove something or they're trying to earn something that is not right for them. When we eliminate those people, it's a lot less scarce, right? <laughs> like the people who actually that's, that fulfills them to fight over the seat at the table, okay. But for a whole lot of people, they're fighting and they don't even know why. Or it's to earn something that they that they innately deserve just by existing. But I think that's where we're kind of stuck in the vortex because I can't even tell you ex- and explain to you how many Instagram accounts or people are dedicated to helping somebody find their purpose. You know, where people are like, wait, I kind of feel like this corporate life is bullshit but what do I do? You know, like, this is all I know. And so I know for myself, 
that productivity of me being somebody who's dependable, somebody that is um, never going to let you down if I make a commitment, that I'm going to perform, that I'm I'm not, you know, like that to me is a value. So without that, who am I? You know, and I think people are really struggling with, I feel like I'm at the breaking point from a work perspective. I'm good at it. I don't know that I love it. But then what? What do I do? And so I think it's kind of kind of untangling the identity that we um, put on ourselves. Yeah, because because what's essentially happening when people feel that way and when this is happening is you are looking towards external places for an internal fulfillment or answers. Mm. Who you're asking who am I? But you're asking it to other people, you know, or you're 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 trying to find other people who seem to know who they are and then be like them. You know, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot wrapped up in that when really that's a very intrinsic I question. Feel this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm always you know, you know, I'm always pointing to you. Look within, look within, right? Uh-huh. Like you have these answers. You have what you need. And this is what I do, right, with working with clients is a lot of them are coming to me because they're burnt out in their jobs or they're at some sort of crossroads or they're a mom now and they really are like, this is not feel enough and I feel guilty that this doesn't feel like enough. And it's always about hold up, hold up, hold up. Like it seems like you're looking outside yourself and myself included. They're, they're coming to me, looking to me to tell them who they are. And that's not what I do. It's about turning them back towards themselves, tapping into their intuition Uh, connecting the mind with the body, which we've talked about many times before. But the reason that that is so important is because you're not going to get those answers until you're able to do that. And to be able to do that, you're going to have to sit in the discomfort for a minute. Mm. Like that looming feeling that you have that Mm. you talk about comes over you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to sit in it for a minute because that is a whole lot of neural pathways that have been set through you having productivity attached to worth you got to reset those neural pathways and stop validating them Mm. that's a whole lot of stress and anxiety and and feelings of not being in touch with yourself that you've been ignoring for many many years Mm -hmm. so you gotta take a minute you know you have to take a beat sit in the discomfort for a minute do the inner work to get in touch with your intuition to figure out well what what was right for me all along what have I been waiting for this entire time and when I talk about that natural rhythm following your natural rhythm that's oftentimes how you're going to get to that who am I question first of all though let me say who you are is ever evolving and ever changing and you're not going to find out who you are and then you settle the case and you can rest damn it (laughs) (laughs) it ain't it ain't as simple as that (laughs) You have to get comfortable with the fact that it's a lifelong journey to, and you won't, you don't come to the end of that journey till you die. And you got to get comfortable with the fact that that's true. And you aren't just going to find a place or you aren't going to find a field of Allison's out there where you're like, oh, there you are, all of, <laughs> all of my people. You will be evolving for the rest of your life. But getting comfortable with that, getting excited about finding out where that goes, that's that's what you're try- really trying to do when you say find out who am I. It means getting comfortable with never finding out who you are and being cool with just being along for the journey. So I have to share a story about this because it kind of illustrates this. So this week, I, you know, I, uh, I'm on week two after I quit my job. And so, you know, my, my job now is really to be still and be quiet 
and listen, you know, like I've, I have this unbelievable opportunity, you know, for a short amount of time, really, you know, like practically speaking to figure this out. And, you know, my, um, we have, uh, painters and stuff that we, we had, a, we had to have our house painted. And I was like, you know, I'm going to take this morning, I'm going to learn some new choreography. And uh, I was like, that that's what's going to happen. And the painters were all in the windows, so I couldn't really do it there. And so I went downstairs to my husband's office where he was working. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't, I wish I knew, you know, I was going to dance. He's like, well, do you want to dance here? And so, you know, he's got a TV in his office. So I was like, sure. So I'm doing this and I'm mentally beating myself up like, you are just fucking wasting space. Like you quit your job to go dance and do choreography, you know? And I'm like, oh, and my husband didn't say a word. You know what I mean? I'm like, I felt bad for him. I felt like I'm wasting my opportunity. And it was such a a crystallized moment of my own self talk track of this is not okay. And this needs to change, you know, that I can't talk to myself or regard myself in that way. And I have to kind of embrace that this feels fun, you know, and I have this opportunity. But I do have that pressing sense of, I should be doing something else, something different, something more, something less. But I feel like, should I rest first? And then uh, get shit done? Or do I get shit done so I can earn rest? And that I think is, I would imagine that people that are listening that maybe are like me where they may have challenge in the quiet may relate. Heck yeah, they will. And yeah, that's the discomfort I'm referring to, sitting in that discomfort. That's a neural pathway that has been laid out for many, many years of your life that the constant searching for what else am I supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. Your your brain is literally stuck in that pattern. Yeah, just give me a direction. I'll go for it. Yeah, <laughs> right. But what what you know, people who always say, "I'll do anything. I'll do anything to silence my brain. I'll do anything," and I'm always like, "Will you wait? <laughs> <laughs> anything but that. <laughs> Will you sit in it for a minute? Right. And right. It's it's like I'll do anything but that." Mm-hmm. that's the only thing you can do. And so if you want to reshape those neural pathways, there have to be more moments where you, you that that brain pattern presents itself mm-hmm. as a thought process in your mind. And, and you say, that's a thought pattern in my mind. That's not me. That's a thought pattern that is stuck in my mind. It's used to ruminating. It's used to functioning this way. I'm trying something new. That is a th- brain process. That is not me. Mm. And s- taking that time to separate yourself So that you can just go, let's see what happens, brain. Like, I know that you think if I'm not productive, I die, which is really actually what the fear fear center thinks I die. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's life or death to to the fear center of your brain. But if you go, let's just wait and see. And every time you don't die, you're literally rewiring how your brain sees that. Now, that's, you know, a more physiological perspective. But to give people permission you you said, what do I do first? Do I rest? Do I do this? We literally should be able to do whatever feels most natural to us. That's how we're supposed to live. We're all supposed to play different roles. When, when everything is symbiotic, that's how it works. We're supposed to follow what I call our natural rhythms. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're dealing with depression and things like that, you, you 
you have to, you know, be afraid of following your natural rhythm. Well, then you need to heal from whatever's causing that depression. You don't need to be aggressive towards yourself to get you off the couch. Mm-hmm. If your body mm. tells you... Can you, you say that again? That, <laughs> I think that's really powerful because people will beat themselves up for being on the couch or for watching Netflix or, you know, like I should be working out. I should, you know, but I just, it's just so hard to get off the couch. You'll never get up if that's how you're trying to do it. I mean, just think of a child or a puppy, you know, or anything external from yourself. And you walk in and they're they're on the couch and you just start screaming, you know, to do something different. Why are you so stupid? Why are you there? Is anyone going to do anything any different? Like, are they going to, you know, get up and make a great life for themselves when you're speaking to them that way? No. Are they going to trust you when you speak to them that way? No. It, you cannot berate yourself into being, quote unquote, a better person or the right kind of person. But how do you gently urge yourself to do something new? Honestly, like if it, if it is working, I hear about it a lot because I am, you know, a dance instructor. So there are lots of people that will tell me, you know, I, I really should, I should, but I just, I don't, I don't want to, or, you know, I just can't seem to get off the couch or you know, I can't, I never prioritize it. So there is a lot of self berating with that. I wonder how, you know, what is a gentle way to not berate yourself, but like try something new? I think it's better first to lay a little bit of foundation about energy and how it works. And so first, give it to me good, Cindy. (laughs) Tell me. Yeah, because I can't answer that question for you, because it it would be a different answer for everybody. But um we all have a certain amount of energy and we know that physical activity depletes energy and we're for some reason willing to honor that, but we do not pay attention to the fact that mental, the mental game takes energy just as much as the physical game. I mean, we have 4,000 studies that support this. So before we recorded, you talked about the mental anguish that we give ourselves that actually expends so much energy of like us bitching at ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is, you use, is that what you mean? Yeah. You use the example of, well, I, I know about self-care. I'll do a spa day, but then I feel guilty. Well, you literally just mm. gave yourself energy and then gave it away. So like you did nothing. So it was pointless to do a spa day. Like if you're going to feel guilty after it, don't even do it. But you have to understand that, that this, this all takes energy and you have a finite amount each day that you wake up. If you're depressed, the energy is being spent solely on keeping you alive Hmm. solely on getting up and going to the bathroom because every other thought in your mind is so draining and is so dark and heavy and it's it is such a fear almost hopeless state of like forget fight or flight i'm gonna die so that takes so much energy so until you find a way to create a reserve in that energy which would mean healing from the depression or uh, being okay with going and having a spa day and not having the guilt after until you create a reserve of energy, you're not going to do this crap or you're going to do it and it's going to burn you out and then you can't cook dinner that night Mm -hmm. or you know what I'm saying? Or you don't get off the couch the next day or you know what I'm saying? Overall, that energy is going to get made up somewhere. I think it's hard to figure out like I've been really vigilant about my energy that I'll you know have boundless energy you know for me working out feels like regenerative in many cases you know but if I don't then like I I can crash out really quickly and I wonder if that is like the mental anguish of you know 
I, I, I don't really beat myself up for not working out. Like I work out fine. Like I don't, I don't need motivation for it. it. It's, it's just part of who I am, but I do feel like it is an energy resource for me in some case, in most cases, you know, that feels good. There's a dopamine high, you know, when you're finished with it or just being in the room with people. Um, but it, there are, you know, like some really, I'm, I'm doing like a wave of a roller coaster, you know, there are waves that I'm noticing of like energy surges and then crashes. And maybe that's me just readjusting to a new schedule and yeah. a new state of being. Yeah. I mean, you've just upended your whole life, right? Do you think that that possibly takes some energy? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps that up ebb and flow or as you say, roller coaster up and down is um, if you followed a more natural rhythm, then when you felt like you wanted to go work out or, you know, you, you felt that this energizes you, you go do it. Mm -hmm. And then when it, you feel more depleted, you rest in whatever way you want to rest. And it's so simple, but it's so hard to do. But if you do it and you just go, you know what, this is my body needs this now. All right, I'll provide you with your, your, your needs. Just assume and just see what happens. If you follow your natural rhythm, assume like, let's see what happens to see if the world falls apart. And if you start saying, okay, I feel that feeling of exhaustion. I should probably rest now. That's what my body is saying it needs. Okay, I have some energy. What, what, should I do with this energy now that I have it? Not, I have all these things to do. I'd better come up with the energy because it's not there. Mm -hmm. Just see what happens if you follow a more natural rhythm. Because I know from personal experience, nothing bad happens and everything gets easier. And then you can talk about who am I and all, you know, you can ask all these <laughs> existential questions then. But first, that is such a cool reframe too, you know, because I'm thinking about, like, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm in that energy state. I'm energized. I better just go for it now because this is not going to last, you know? And I don't know if it is a scarcity thing or just, you know, kind of adjusting to it. But I wonder about, you know, people whose lives are overcommitted, you know, like they are taking their kids to soccer and to piano and to, you know, uh, a math tutor after school and they're working during the day, you know, and, and it's hard when, you know, maybe a dance class or something fun, you know, and, and could be energizing feels hard to come by and your energy is just kind of on E. And so, you know, I, I wonder how do you manage the energy? This is when my, my advice is for people to shift the perspective to what if my priority was to live a life of ease? That is my current priority in my life. I want to live a life of ease. So that is always in the forefront of my mind when I'm making decisions about how to do my calendar, about what I commit to, about, you know, where we go on vacation. Every decision that we make, my priority is to live a life of ease. What does the life of ease look like for you? For me, I work... I see clients three days a week. I work half time. So I work like three and a half days a week. The other half of the time, I try to be as for real off as possible. 
I'm seeing friends. I'm spending time with my family. Um, I'm hiking. I'm running. I'm doing whatever crap I want to do. And I'm, I genuinely, genuinely tried to do that. And it only happened, A, once I felt worth it. And I knew that I didn't have to earn that. Because you didn't always have that luxury. Because you worked a, f- I don't know if it was full-time job, but you uh, w- worked far, you know, like it, in, in a, um, and and you have a son that has activities and things to do as well. Yeah. And, and your husband, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, we both own our own businesses, you know, so we are very much dependent. On now you do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we do. But even when you say it, I didn't always have that luxury. I always had that right. Huh. I didn't always feel deserving of that right. And uh-huh. I definitely worked all the time to prove it. Because I, I've always been insecure about my education. I don't have letters after my name. You've heard me say this several times. It used to be a source of insecurity. So I thought, well, I won't be the smartest or the most educated in the room, but I will be the hardest working. Mm. And that was what I did. And and for my husband, I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, he's he's the main provider. I've got to show that I'm doing something. So I had to always be doing something. And I took on all the things. Um, but... Then (laughs) when I just was able to accept, I was ready, I was healed enough for my own other stuff, you know, all the things that would happen when I was still to accept that, oh, my worth is not attached to my productivity. I am worth these things simply by existing. Then I started leaning into my natural rhythm and I'm ADHD. I'm really creative. I don't, I'm not, I don't wake up early, lit up, you know, it takes me a minute. Um, I am very creative at night. And then all of a sudden, I was like, well, what if that's fine? Like, what if I, I was always like, why can't I get up before I take my son to school and run and shower and cook a breakfast yeah, and do yeah. all these things? The champion yeah, morning. <laughs> right. And it was all of a sudden, it was like, so what? Yeah. Um, and nothing bad happened. And I help people make this journey and nothing bad Was it hard happened. though? Was it hard oh, yes, to it let go? <laughs> yes. It's terrifying. There were so many times that I would say to my husband, I know I'm laying down on the couch in the middle of a Wednesday, but I'm trying to prioritize rest right now. <laughs> like I was explaining to him, <laughs> I'm working on this new thing. Oh my goodness. Of like following my, and he's like, I don't even care where you are. I don't care if you're on the couch. Like He's like, I'm not looking at you. Nobody's looking but at you. But you put that on you. And so I wonder, yeah. you know, I think it is important to help with partners too, that not everyone is going to be as accepting or some people... You know, like I put that on my husband that he's going to look at me like I'm not doing anything. And my husband, you know, has an expectation of me to help out with cooking meals, which I hate, um, but it it will help him out too, you know, because I will have more time and I'm dropping off and picking up the kids now and doing all kinds of stuff. Um, so, you know, tell me about what advice you give to having getting partners on board with something that is countercultural, but necessary. Yeah, no, A, just prioritize fixing your own stuff. You know, before you start heading to spouses and your children and everybody else, (laughs) you know, fix your fix your shit. And then, um, then just when when you heal yourself, you feel a level of worth. And you, and you learn about boundaries. You learn about the way to treat yourself as a worthy person. 
And then you just start commanding, you know, a certain level of respect and a certain level of treatment. And that tends to shake out the good people in your life fall in line with that. And half the time they had no problem. You're way easier to live with now because you're not neurotic and insecure and all these other things. But, you know, I just say I can't I can't give you advice because like I'm not good about a, B, and C, step one, two, and three with spouses or something because everybody has a different marriage and their marriages are so freaking complicated. But I can say fix you first. H- heal your stuff. When you heal your stuff, you will have self-worth. That's how you know that you're healing. Mm. And then living as a person with self-worth, you suddenly just set boundaries. The boundaries set themselves, you know, and the the thing that you command for others to treat you, you know, it it works itself out. Because I was like, I was always telling my husband, you need to go to therapy. You need to go to therapy. And it would just be a source of, of argument. And then I fixed my own stuff. And I just started commanding a certain level of treatment. And it it forced him to look at, oh, wow. Yeah, like I knew she was screwed up. We all knew I was, <laughs> right? But then when I was healing, it became clear. It took all my baggage out of the room. And then he had a little bag over there too, you know. Right. And then he went. And got counseling. And man, it's been phenomenal. Just like I knew it would have been back in the day. But I was too fixated on, I need you to fix your stuff to make life easier for me. Yeah. And then when I made life easier huh. for myself, it was like, I'm good. I see you got some stuff over there. <laughs> but I'm not taking it from you. Like, I'm I'm good. And I'm going to keep on being good. But man, it looks like you're hurting over there. Mm-hmm. And then that's a much more compassionate place for people to actually, you know, seek getting their own support or treating you with you know, in the way that you were kind of wanting the whole time. Yeah, we're going to do a whole episode on boundaries setting. And I wonder if you'd be willing to share of your own experience. I imagine when you start putting boundaries on, it redefines a lot of relationships. And there are probably a lot of relationships that maybe there is a mourning period that they no longer serve you, you know, of that. What did that look like for you? Or what do you see how how that plays out for maybe some other people that you consult that consult with you yeah but I mean boundary work is hard it's very difficult Mm -hmm. and you have to have the self-worth to start setting them they kind of work together like you kind of start setting them and they give you a little bit of self-worth and use that self-worth to start setting them more Hmm. um yeah I don't know it I know you're going to cover this, and so I'm sure they're going to do a better job at it. But just in general, boundaries are an essential part, and they help draw lines for where for what relationships are healthy and productive, and and the ones that should be there. That just, not that they're good for you or that you're good for them, but just that they're you're good for each other. It's a healthy relationship to, that should continue. They fall in line when the bound when boundaries are set, not walls, but boundaries. And the ones that aren't serving either of you, when boundaries are put up, they they just tend to fall where mm. they're supposed to. But if you start thinking about too much in the future, you'll psych yourself out of setting the boundaries totally. for fear of what they might do. Sure. Um, so I just say just keep going forward. <laughs> and it is important part of your healing process. But it'll shake out how it needs to. And you'll probably be at peace at, with it when it's happening. So try not to think too much into the future about it. Just know it'll it'll shake out how it's supposed to. Hmm. So what is the laziness lie? What is the lie? Uh, that your worth is your productivity. Does laziness exist? No. There are no lazy people. Huh. 
show me anybody, anybody, anybody that you roll your eyes at. And you think, yeah, somebody who's playing video games all day. They don't have a, they never really wanted to get a job. They want to be a professional video game player. Immediately that comes to my mind. So I'm judging, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of calling myself out on that. But somebody that is not going out to play, they're not studying, they are not, they don't seem to be a con- I don't know if contributing member of society, but they appear to just be wasting their life on video games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the whole, like if they're a perfectly content gamer, um, their community might be in the gaming community and they might be perfectly fulfilled and they're entitled to having a fulfilled life just like you are and they don't have to earn that. Um, but if you're talking about someone who's more like a leech on society and they're really dependent on society um, and they are not able to, sustain on their own i would argue that there's probably some mental illness going on there mm. i would argue that they're or not systemic too, too depending on yeah yeah there's s- certainly systemic limitations but um i like if you talk to people who are living without homes right and they, they are working harder mentally and oftentimes physically than anybody else mm. it is not an easy life mm-hmm. no nobody is just laying around because they want to lay around people who aren't happy are struggling with mental illness people who are depressed and you're like why can't you just because they can't um you know Hmm. like again about that energy depletion their their energy is going all day every day to keeping them alive and it might cause them to act in a selfish way it might cause them to make poor decisions but anybody with the same mental energy being spent that they're being that they're spending would be making those same decisions that's a very compassionate view too I wonder if, you know, like I just came out with a whole lot of judgment over this too, you know, like if I reframed it, what does that mean? You know, um, it uh, it's important. So about the laziness lie, what do you know that you wish other people could know? I always <laughs> ask you this. Yes, I wish, I wish people knew to prioritize a life of ease everybody if they could just prioritize a life that is the most ease for themselves that that is not a bad thing that's not a selfish thing do you think life is hard is a bad uh thought terminating cliche no life Life is is hard hard. life is hard it is hard it's a whole lot harder when you're living a life that isn't yours or it's a whole lot harder when you think Mm. you have to earn worth we need to put that as the cap- <laughs> as, as the audiogram. Yeah, no. Like they, I see this saying all the time, like uh, healing is hard, hurting is hard, you know, choose the hard. It is hard. It's all hard. But man, like nothing about my life of ease isn't hard. You know, it, it, it still challenges all the beliefs that were set in my mind from the day I was born. But, um, but man, like I have so many more moments of awe and I think that's that's what I'm chasing, right? Is that I need more time to have moments of awe and I'm not going to be in awe living somebody else's life. And I'm certainly not going to have time for awe if I'm just shuttling a kid around everywhere I go and like, you know, living for everybody else, making sure everybody's needs are met. Mm-hmm. And this is not a selfish thing. I, I'm a very, I, I, this is hard for me to even say, but I'm a selfless person. Like I'm not selfish. I'm not a jerk. I, I, I get energy from caring for others. But I was doing it to earn something. Mm-hmm. I was doing it to earn the right to be loved, to earn a place at the table. 
And it turns out I still do all of those caring, compassionate things. That didn't go away when I stopped uh, thinking that laziness existed. And I started following my natural rhythm. I started, I kept doing all those things, but I didn't have the mental game of thinking I had to earn them. And then it was just like a fog lifted. Hmm. And now I did those things and I had energy to do other things that I want to do. I feel like we need to <laughs> mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> That was awesome. Cindy, how can people get in touch with you or work with you? Um, yes, my website is cindyrobinsonllc.com. And that's pretty much, you can find everything on there. You can find it all there. And I would highly recommend going to Instagram, Cindy Robinson LLC. It will blow your freaking mind, especially if you find any of this interesting or uh, and or have children. Um, especially of the teenage age, because it will blow your damn mind uh, with with how good it is and how thought-provoking and culture-changing it is. Cindy, thank you for being on time number six. When I left this interview with Cindy, I felt a weight lift off of my chest. As I am deeply trying to unwind my own self-worth, being so entangled in how much can I produce, Once again, Cindy Robinson always knows a little known, but hiding in plain sight answer. You can follow her anywhere on Cindy Robinson LLC. I also suggest you think of three overachievers in your life and text this episode to them. I bet it can help. And while you've got your phone in your hand, please go to allisonhair.com and subscribe to my personal journal to learn more about this. I send weekly uh, personal emails. They're short, they're insightful, and usually they've got something funny, but they are where I am the most personal. Thank you for listening and for your support. And I have to say that Culture Changers podcast just turned three years old this past weekend and is now ranked in the top one and a half percent of podcasts worldwide. Thanks to you. See you next week or find me on the socials, baby.